Welcome to GunfighterCast. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw. I have two guests today, Ron Larimer. Hi, Ron. How's it going? And Paul Carlson. Hey, Daniel. How are you doing? Paul was on the show once before, but it didn't quite make it the iTunes and website. It didn't make it to the interwebs. I was on the show, but not on the show. Did you hear what John said? Hey, we- he said... He said something. I don't, it was funny. It made me laugh. He was like, well, I had Chuck Norris on and, and, and Clint <laughs> Eastwood, but uh, I lost the feed or something like that. He's like, I, I, it was, I couldn't use it. I think that that's really kind of a fair comparison, and so <laughs> and I think that's cool. All right. Uh, Ron, can you tell the folks uh, who you are and where they can find you? Yeah. Um, Ron Lermer. I run uh, When the Balloon Goes Up at balloongoesup.com. What, what goes on over there at whenthebloongoesup.com in case someone – and that's interested in firearms and carrying concealed and uh, everything else that we talk about and do, what are they missing if they're not over there right now? Well, it's uh, the blog focuses on concealed carry, home defense, 72-hour preparedness, and then quite a bit of competition, mostly with IDPA. Um, and there's an online store that's associated with it as well that has all of the gear for uh, those things, concealed carry, home defense, and competition. And Paul, uh, John and I have mentioned you quite a bit uh, and some of your training videos that you have, uh, what you're doing and teaching, uh, yeah. the fact that you have offered to train uh, teachers or school folks yep. for yep. free. So people know should be somewhat familiar with you. And we've been pushing people to your podcast because John and I both are fans of your podcast. Yeah, and I really appreciate that, Daniel. That's, uh, Talk about awesome. yourself. Uh, Safety Solutions Academy is kind of uh, my life outside of my family life. Uh, we've got, as Daniel mentioned, a podcast. Uh, we're a training company, so we offer courses in unarmed combatives, sharp weapons, impact weapons, chemical defense sprays, and such. Uh, and then we move on into the firearms uh, and uh, do that with uh, handguns, shotguns, rifles, and uh, all kinds of good stuff. So the podcast is out there. The YouTube channel is out there, Safety Solutions AC. And uh, you can kind of check out what it is we do. And uh, I love what I do. Yeah, and that's what you do, right? You don't do anything else, huh? Well, you know, I'm a family man, so, uh, you know, take care of my kids and all that good stuff, but this is my uh, vocation. Awesome. So, well, glad you guys are here. The reason that they are here is because I didn't make it to SHOT Show. Uh, the good old USMC decided to not to let me go two days earlier than I, when I had hoped they would let me go. Uh, they made me come in on Wednesday in the middle of SHOT Show to pick up my paperwork. So uh, I would have only made it there for about a day and a half. So it didn't quite work out. But uh, you guys were there for me in spirit or in my stead. So that's why you're here. If there's a listener out there who is not tired already of hearing about SHOT Show and <laughs> all that stuff, you're going to get it one more time, but with a twist. Nice. Because Ron and Paul don't know what I'm going to talk about or what I'm going to ask them. I just told them to come on and talk about SHOT Show. What I want to know, and don't answer yet because we're going to get into something else before we do that. What I want to know is, I don't care about that new shotgun or that new what Springfield came out with that's not even made in the USA, but they have a Springfield name on it and they act like it is, and everybody comes gone to the year after it was a piece <laughs> of crap you know, for a decade. I don't care about any of that stuff. What I want to know is, what is important to the ground level end user that nobody really talked about uh, as far as, you know, they're reported on the big stuff because that's who pays the money. But I want to know, like, what did you discover? Who did you talk to that is going to do something for the average listener who just carries a firearm every day and they're maybe not law enforcement or 
military. They don't care about any of that stuff. They just what's gonna what's gonna help them that you saw, and that's what we're gonna get into. Before we do that, and the reason you guys don't know about that is because whatever just popped into your head right now, that's what I want you to talk about because nice. it was obviously something that was uh was was important. You know, or stood out that you really thought was great. But maybe you didn't talk about it on your podcast or something. Before that, I want to talk about what not to do right now. I'm talking about a uh, gun show, gun appreciation day, and there's negligent discharges and accidental discharges at gun shows. Like these idiots just cannot clear a shotgun before putting it in a bag and taking it to a gun show to sell. Like I don't even know what to say about that, man. Like for, yeah, that was down in my neck of the woods, and it was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, it was right down the road from me. I almost went to that gun show that day, yesterday. What's crazy is we had the same thing uh, happen right down the street from me. While I was at SHOT Show, of course, I wasn't at this gun show, but we had the same kind of an occurrence. And, you know, it's the the problem that we had at our gun show, and I don't know the details of yours, is just multiple lever, levels of safety procedures failed. And uh, that's always particularly disappointing when that happens. Um, obviously, the user that brought the firearm to the show failed to make sure that it was unloaded. Um, it was handed to a security guard at the door who failed to ensure that it was unloaded. The action was bound and sold to a dealer who failed to make sure that it was unloaded and discharged that uh, firearm into the hand and leg of his partner behind the, the table. Are you kidding me? It went through all those hands. That is correct. And that is, you know, that, that is complacency at its best. And again, you know, Safety Solutions Academy, we're all about all kinds of safety. You know, I talked about the combative aspect of it. You know, we're, we're just as likely to talk about keeping your kids safer on the swimming pool. And, and one of the things we talk about is the idea that you, you simply can't be complacent. You can't assume that your husband's watching the kids and you're not watching the kids because your husband might be assuming that you're watching the kids. And all of a sudden, nobody's paying attention and your kid's face down in the pool. That's a problem. This is the same thing here. Just everybody was expecting somebody else to take care of the problem, and what do we get? What happened down in what ha- what happened down there in uh, in NC? Ron, correct me if I'm wrong. There was a gentleman bringing in a shotgun, and it was getting cleared by the law enforcement officer before it went into the show. From what I read, as the man unzipped the case that it was in, uh, the shotgun discharged. Do you hear something like that, Ron? Yeah, that's that's pretty close to what I heard as well. As they were uh, bringing the gun out of the bag to clear it, somebody uh, hit the trigger. Which means the uh, the gun wasn't cleared at home. It wasn't on safe in the bag, and uh, whoever was pulling it out of the bag wasn't careful about uh, getting inside the trigger guard. This is like youth wildlife hunting safety course one hundred, man. It's like the most basic thing ever. God, it just drives. This is what we don't need, and yeah. we also we also going a different route. We also don't need people getting on the internet saying stupid stuff. Is what we yeah, don't need. No doubt about that. We have we have to remember that in today's day and age, everything that we do and say is basically a matter of public record. I mean, I, I'm not saying that we have a big brother state, but we choose to make our lives very public with things like Facebook, with you know things like a podcast that we're doing right now, and and we are responsible ultimately for what it is that we say and do. And when we behave inappropriately, that has consequences, not just for ourselves, but for everyone around us. Especially when we choose to call it something like the Gun Appreciation Day in uh, the middle of the political climate that we're in. Mm-hmm. And you know that that's going to get extra levels of scrutiny. So having three uh, 
ADs or NDs during that uh, that period of time is inexcusable. And it was sad because there was a lot of people turned out for that, and it, it was overshadowed by us being skyline is unsafe, irresponsible people who have guns that shoot people when they pull them out of cases to go to these evil gun shows. That's what everybody saw. And it's horrible. Because we that's what the 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 antis are reporting. You know, they're not gonna show that all these people came out to support kids, doctors, right. lawyers, teachers. They're not gonna show any of that. They're gonna show the negative thing that happened. We gotta stop this. And back to what I was talking about saying stupid stuff on the internet like we're going to go start killing folks or, or I'll be blunt or going to violence to, de- to defend this. This is not what you do. This is completely wrong. What we have to do, and these same people that are screaming that are always talking about our founding fathers and the framers and the people who wrote the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and all that. There's t- they swear by all those folks, but they always ignore the precedents that they set, how they lobbied and they fought non-violently through legislative process and everything else they could do with the government that was oppressing them for many, many years before they actually resorted to violence. And they set that precedence. Uh, and, and not only that, Daniel, but when I look at the founding fathers, and of course, you know, I wasn't around back then, and uh, so I, I can't say what it is that actually happened, but I certainly get the impression that those men were surgical with their words. If you look at the documents that they crafted, that are still um, in use, you know, more than 200 years later, that tells us that they did an amazing job crafting their vision with their language. And that's exactly what people need to be doing right now, is crafting the proper message with the words that they choose. And when you go off half-cocked on YouTube or you know, do something silly um, at at a rally and talk to the press and say something that you might regret later... That, again, has consequences, just like our founding fathers' language have consequences for us now in the positive direction. Our poor use of language can have consequences in the negative direction. No, I think that was an excellent way to put it, talking about a surgical use, because it's exactly what it is. You read some of this, it's like, wow, I wish I could talk like that. I wish people still talk like that. You know, it's, it's, it's like art. Absolutely. It says exactly what needs to be said, nothing more, nothing less. So you kind of asked a specific question about what should we not be doing. And in my personal opinion, we should be working very hard to stay away from the extremes with our words and our actions. Um, There's nothing more that the press would like. There's nothing more than our opposition, those that are against guns would like, than for us to appear to be extreme. And so showing up at that march with the most extreme military uh, arm that you own, um, saying the most extreme things with a sign that reads, you know, the most extreme words probably is not the message that we want to be sending. It might be our exact sentiments. We might be saying not an inch further, but we probably have to market our message a little bit better than uh, camouflage from head to toe, including the face paints with... uh, you know, a stainless steel Ruger Mini 14 pointed at our husband's chest. I didn't see that picture. Yeah, you know, it was an awesome picture. Other, <laughs> I would think, you know, showing up, if we had 5,000 people show up at the Capitol and they're all dressed in suits and they look nice, these are all professionals. You know, people are going to look at them like, wow, these are just everyday professional type people. And then you got the the farmer types wearing what they wear to work. You got the 
you know, everybody else wearing their regular normal clothes. Like this is America. And this is what America's saying. We've got, we're diverse. We're black. We're white. We're Asian. We're Mexican. We're Hispanic. We're, we're all these things. And we're all here saying we support the Second Amendment. Yeah. Are you familiar with the movie Thank You for Smoking? I have not seen it. Seen right. there, there's a, um, a scene in that movie where there's a, one of the main characters is talking to a, a younger kid. And um, he was trying to, to explain his job in that um, he convinces other people to, to see that they're wrong or to see the things his way. And through the skit, he actually says, uh, ask the kid to uh, convince him that vanilla ice cream is better than chocolate. And during Impossible. the argument, well, at the end of the argument, he, he basically breaks the fourth wall when the kid says, you haven't convinced me. He says, I wasn't trying to convince you. I was trying to convince them. And he points towards the camera and the audience with the idea that when you're having a debate, whether it be online, on you know, Facebook, in person, you have to remember that one of the things that you're trying to do is not necessarily convince the person that has made up their mind that you're arguing with, but that you're being seen as reasonable in getting your point of view to everybody that's around you listening to the conversation. Because you're more likely to affect their decision than the person that decided to argue with you. What is the old saying? Be careful if you argue with or when you're arguing with the idiot, someone watching may not be able to tell which one it is or whatever. Right, there you go. <laughs> cool. All right, well, I think that's some good advice you guys just gave. I hope everybody takes it. I am going to be making a YouTube video here as soon as I stop painting houses and doing everything else I'm doing in this place. Try to get it knocked out next week sometime. I'm going to show people on YouTube how to clear guns. You, any of you guys ever watch videos on YouTube and see like, oh, I got a Glock 19 and they just rack it three times. Don't even look or anything. Just rack it three times. That clears every gun automatically. You don't have to do anything else but rack it three times no matter what kind of gun you have, whether it's magazine fed or anything else. You don't have to look. Just racking three times is clear. Drives would be crazy, man. You can probably tell by I'm, – I'm moving my hands right now like you can <laughs> see me. But uh, that's got to stop. That's why people are shooting people at gun shows. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think that that's really important to understand that there is uh, a set of behaviors that go along with clearing a firearm, and that is you know, manipulating the action by dropping the magazine, if we're talking about a semi-automatic, and then moving the slide to the rear. There needs to be a visual check and, if appropriate, a physical check. And if those things aren't done, well, then we don't know the, that the firearm is clear. And, and racking it four more times doesn't necessarily clear the gun. And pulling the trigger absolutely does not clear the gun. Um, and so, you know, these are the kinds of things that we have to be careful of. And so I think that's a great idea, Daniel, is to give people a step-by-step methodology for how it is to know when their firearm is clear. Well, I don't have a shotgun, so I need to borrow one of Ron's shotguns. But I, I've got the AR uh, picking up an AK tomorrow or the next day. It's coming nice. in. Really excited about that. Cool. But yeah, look for that. Okay, you guys ready to talk about SHOT Show? Most definitely. Okay, Absolutely. That, that thing that popped into your mind that like nobody's talking about all over the internet that they haven't seen yet, that the listeners have not seen on Facebook. Go ahead, Ron. Um, that nobody has seen yet. Well, they may have seen it, but it's not as popular as all the crazy stuff where everybody's getting the pictures on Facebook because I was here and I saw it when it came out, you know, that kind of thing. I want to know like what, what impressed you that maybe not have the most focus onto it. On it. I would say that it would be some of the additional line of holsters from Flashbang. Are you familiar with their their holsters? Yes. The uh, yeah. So Flashbang. Bigger has, the boobies, the bigger the gun you can carry. 
Yeah, well, there's there are there's definitely that, but they also have a line of um, inside the waistband holsters that are you know part leather, part kydex, the hybrid style, and uh, apparently they've been selling like gangbusters. They're sort of in between the crossbreed and the MTAC as far as the way that they're they're built. They're uh, a little bit narrower to fit a female frame and did a great job of uh, concealing the blue guns on the girls in the booth. If they could sell the blue guns on booth girls, they were probably quite scantily clad. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, the, um, the one girl that was in the booth was uh, wearing a very form-fitting pair of jeans and a shirt that arguably was one size too small, and she had three guns on her that were completely concealed. Wow, that is impressive. I'm cruising through the uh, Flashbang website. First of all, they've got some pretty good SEO because I just typed in Flashbang and they were number one. That's uh, pretty good work on their part. And it certainly looks like they've got some innovative products. Um, Not necessarily applicable to me because my man boobs aren't that big, but, um, you know, some of these things look pretty interesting. Well, even going a a step beyond, um, I, one of the things that I learned there is that the, believe it's the Ava. Yes, the Ava. Is, yeah, that's what I'm um, looking at now. That is actually the same hybrid holster that is uh, being sold by Blade Tech. Okay. Uh, so the Ava is the female version, and the one from Blade Tech is the male version. You know, that is impressive that Flashbang is number one, considering all the gamers who play video games who throw Flashbangs and like yeah. everything else. That is, that's impressive. You know, Flashbangs being used tactically for years, that, that is impressive. Absolutely. I'm about to check their Google rank and drool later. All right. That's a good one. No, I'm, I'm interested. My wife, uh, I'm going to get some of those, let her check it out because, uh, you know, she she hates like every holster she puts on. You know, she, she's kind of likes the uh, the Raven concealments that we're carrying right now, but I got to get her a smaller pistol. She hates like every holster, like hurts her hip, digs in, you know, it's like, I mean, she wears tight jeans, tight belt and everything. So it's, it's pretty tough, you know, it really is. What kind of pistols are you thinking about for your wife, Daniel? She liked the fill. Of uh, a car CM9. Okay. Uh, I can't stand the reset on the car CM9. Mm-hmm. She wasn't crazy about the, the trigger pull. And the reset because it's too long? Your finger has yes. to come too far back out? Okay. Yeah. But as far as grip and the deep high tank, uh, it's very comparable to the grip of the Walther PPS. So uh, she's interested in that one. Uh, the Beretta Nano, maybe it's a bit more bulkier around the grip than mm-hmm. say the PPS or the Carcium, but uh, that's kind of what we're looking at, right? There. I want to say around nine millimeter, uh, and she can handle the nine millimeter. Cool, I think that's a good choice, anyways. Um, I got hands on the XDS nine millimeter while at Shot Show and at Media Day. Um, pretty nice. I'm not a big fan of the grip safety, but from a size standpoint, uh, for people that are looking for smaller handguns to conceal. It's probably a good balance between the full-size guns or maybe even the compact guns and the subcompacts. And also, although it's not new this year, the Bursa 9mm single stack uh, really seems like a pretty decent pistol. Um, I did not take the opportunity to fire one at media day, but it's definitely something that I'm going to be looking into for my students. Uh, i got to get my hands on an LC9 as well. Don't you have one of those, Ron? No, I've got the, uh, the M&P. Okay, yeah, I want to check out one of those LC9s to see how she likes that one, too. Yeah, Paul and I have slightly different opinions on the shield. Uh, the, the safety for him is a deal-breaker. Yeah, and it is. And while I, 
while I'm not a big fan of safeties on a carry pistol, the implementation of that one is about the best I've seen. I'm like three years behind on all these new pistols, man. So I'm like going to the gun store and I'm like, oh, I saw that on the internet. Like, it was, it's new. And they're right. like, this thing's been out forever, man. What are you talking yeah. about? I'm like, oh, no, I haven't seen it. You know, I'm excited. So it's, it's cool. Uh, yeah. Gun stores are cool. You know, I, we, I, don't, we don't have those in Japan. <laughs> I really like the XDS because it doesn't have the manual safety like the shield does, um, but it has the grip safety. And that's where the Bursa comes in because it's minus the grip safety and the manual safety. Um, again, haven't had a chance for any testing, and so I don't know what the reliability is like, but um, I've heard good things. And so, you know, if you're looking for something in the Smith & Wesson shield size, definitely something to consider. Okay. All right. So, Paul, what do you got from SHOT Show that popped into your mind? Well, I kind of have a different attitude uh, towards SHOT Show than most of the people that are there. Um, SHOT Show is an incredibly overwhelming event. You know, there were probably 55,000 people out at SHOT Show, at least 50-some thousand. Um, We haven't gotten the final stats on attendance yet. And who knows how many vendors and, uh, you know, I know that I can't get to every booth. I know that I can't uh, get a hold of everything I want to get a hold of. And so I take it more from a conceptual standpoint. I look for people. And uh, I look to make as many connections as I can with, with outstanding people. And that's how I met Ron Larimer and, you know, Richard of Blue Sheepdog and, uh, you know, uh, Helix Arms, Zach, and the guys from Top Gun Review, Devin and Christian that I met this year. And so it's really about connections for me. Um, probably the coolest connection I think that I made at SHOT Show this year, the coolest thing that I heard was I uh, went to a luncheon and uh, Pete Brownell spoke at the luncheon. He talked about our right uh, to keep and bear arms. And it kind of ties into the conversation that we had up front and the idea that uh, we really need to be active. You know, those of us that are involved in the media, whether it's a podcast or a blog or, or a YouTube channel or all of those things, which I think all of us are kind of involved in to some degree or another, we have to be helping people learn what it is that they need to do to make sure that we preserve our right to keep and bear arms. And in that discussion, um, and, and it was a discussion between a group of people and Mr. Brownell, um, came out the concept that, you know, being pro-gun is great, but what we really need to be is we really need to be pro-rights. Our, our right to keep and bear arms is the Second Amendment, and it's one of many amendments. It's one of many rights in our Bill of Rights, and we need to be concerned about all of those rights. And so uh, that was probably one of the, uh, the cooler moments of SHOT Show was that kind of coalescence of a group of people having a conversation and realizing that, yeah, our firearms are important, and that's what's going to help us secure all of our rights, but we need to be thinking about the rights of, uh, of all people and, and uh, from all different angles. And so that was pretty awesome. No, I, that makes perfect sense. I haven't really thought of it that way, but if we lose, say, the First Amendment, uh, and maybe the internet takes over, or the government takes over the internet like they're planning to do, uh, and all this stuff. Now we start losing our, our ability to be as vocal and stand up for what we believe, which is the Second Amendment. Absolutely. Now we're losing power. You know, we're, we're losing strength. We're losing, you know, our God given rights. 
Absolutely. And, and that's important, uh, you know, as we're being surgical with our language. What it is that you just said is very important for people to understand. These aren't rights that are guaranteed by our Constitution. These are rights that are endowed to us by our Creator, whoever it is that you, that you think that is. And they're not just American rights. You know, these are human rights. Yep. And, and we need to be pro-rights. And I see many people in the firearms industry right now with a myopic view. You know, just just one look at things and it's firearms only. And I've been having conversations with students and followers of mine that are concerned about uh, the attack on individuals with mental health issues right now. And certainly there are concerns about people that are struggling with mental health issues having firearms, but at what point in time and how do we draw that line? That's a civil rights issue. Somebody that is taking an antidepressant because you know they lost their job and are having a tough struggle through life right now is not that person that is broken that is going to head over to you know the local synagogue and, and harm other people. And how is it that we separate that? Well, that's a pro-rights issue. That's number one. So if, we're, if, we, if we avoid that myopic look, that one look of gun rights only, it helps us deal with that issue. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we focus on pro-rights because I believe that it's easier to win that argument than it is to win the argument of pro-guns. If you walk into the local McDonald's to have a cup of coffee with the folks that are sitting around and you don't look at the person next to you and you say, hey, are you pro-gun? you have all kinds of different responses that you might find. But if you strike up that conversation talking about being pro-rights, there's a whole different perception that starts from the beginning of the conversation. You're talking like the art of argument. You know, if you think Ron writes a lot, if you were started writing a, a blog post about how horrible something that everybody loves is, nobody's going to read the thing. They're going to be like, screw this thing. But if you kind of start out, you know, talking about something that we have common ground on, and then we, we veer toward that and then make our points, you know, people tend to listen what, what's what, getting made. What it comes down to, Daniels, is that it's sales and marketing. And we are being outsold and we're being outmarketed right now by our opposition. And when you look at good sales technique, the, the idea is to get a person saying yes early in the conversation. It's much easier to continue to say yes when you've started to say yes. So when you have that conversation, ask a question that nobody could say no to, and you start to begin that process. There was also a uh, big thing uh, that went on at the show, and just so you know, Paul, I looked it up while you were talking, and there were 62,371 attendees. Holy smokes. Which was a record by far. I think last year set the record in the mid-50s. But um, the Ruger booth had a, a really nice display that had nothing to do with firearms. Right. Uh, they had a number of kiosks that would allow you to put in your contact information, your zip code. It would identify who all of your representatives were and pre-populate and send emails to all of your representatives uh, asking them to support the, the Second Amendment. Now, they have that online now too, don't they? They do. It if anyone wants to find it, it's ruger.com slash micros slash advocacy. Super easy. Just put in your information, and they're doing the work for you, contacting your reps. And I think that's, that's so important. You know, at the luncheon, and both Ron and I were at the luncheon, 
there were really two things that Pete Brownell asked us to do. Uh, one was to make sure that we contacted our representatives, both our state representatives and those for the federal government. And the second thing that he asked us to do was to join the NRA and encourage others to join the NRA. Now, I've been an NRA member uh, since I can't tell you when. And, uh, you know, on the airplane, on the way home from SHOT Show, I jumped online using, you know, magic Wi-Fi in the air and oh. I, I, yeah, pretty awesome. Do you, do you guys have that on those military planes or, yet or no? I hate you. Okay, anyways, uh, you know, I jumped online and I, I did something that I've been meaning to do for a long time. I purchased a membership for my wife and for each of my daughters. So I purchased three new memberships on the way home from SHOT Show. And I debated and thought about what it was that I was going to do. And for a long time, I've been saying, you know what, I'm going to upgrade my Easy Pay Life membership to a life membership to make the donation to the NRA or, you know, to give them additional money. And what I realized in that conversation with Pete Brownell was the NRA doesn't necessarily need more money. What we need right now is the ability to say, you know, there are 500,000 new members of the NRA since December. Yes. That, that has a bigger statement to it than the NRA has raised $500,000 or $5 million to have those new members is important. So I would encourage people out there that if you're not a member and you listen to the Gunfighter cast, um, you probably need to be a member. Uh, keying off of something you were just talking about, Paul, um, backing up just a little bit, you were talking about uh, you know the mental health issue. And yeah. I keep seeing gun owners constantly talking about, oh, well, we just, it's a health, right? It's a mental health issue. Or we got to do something about this. Like if you're crazy, you don't get a gun. Like that's exactly right. Oh, she said, where do we draw the line? I got a lot of buddies, man, who are messed up in the head. In certain ways, but I guarantee you, when the lead starts flying, those are the ones I want right next to me. Absolutely, I've, I've, I've seen them lay it down, and they will they will volunteer to go back to it every day of the week. And 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 you're talking about exactly some of the people that I'm concerned about. You know, we've got guys that are coming back from making tremendous sacrifices for our country and what it stands for. And sometimes, not all the time, you know, sometimes people do just fine with, uh, with the mental aspects of, of dealing with combat, but sometimes they don't. Just because they're struggling with that issue doesn't mean they're not fit to defend their family and to defend themselves. Just because they're, they're having struggles does not mean that they don't have those rights. And what I am worried the most about is who is it that's going to make the determination that someone is not fit and how is that determination going to be made? It, what are you going to have a board? I mean, didn't the same people that are all against all this stuff didn't weren't we all against the whole Obamacare death penalty thing that people right. were expecting? We were talking about the same thing. Like we're going to have a panel of, of liberals deciding if this guy gets a gun. They're going to stamp no all day long, man. So we we can't let this happen. We, we got to figure out a realistic and fair and just way to make this happen properly. Well, and, and one of the things that we have to understand is that sometimes we just can't do much in the way that, to stop things from happening ahead of time. You know, is it, was it a Tom Cruise movie? Ahead of time. That was the key yeah, ahead of time. phrase. There, there's, a, there's a Tom Cruise movie that's out there. I, I think it's Tom Cruise where, you know, basically it's a futuristic thing and they're able to anticipate who's going to commit the crime and they can arrest that person just Minority before. Yeah, there you go. Just before they commit the crime, right? Yeah. Guess what? At that point in time, you can't arrest that person because they haven't done anything wrong. 
And, and that's a fundamental truth of our society. And I, I don't know what to tell you. It, uh, we can't trade our safety and our security away. And if we, I'm sorry, we can't trade our liberty away. And if we do try and trade that for safety and security, well, we're giving up freedoms. End of story. Yeah. Well, like you said, the, the key part of that beforehand. Right. But what we can, once those bullets start flying, someone walks into a mall with an AR and starts aiming in on somebody. At that point, deadly force is just, it's moral, it's ethical, it's reasonable. It's what needs to happen right now. Absolutely. And, and an armed citizen nearby is exactly what we need, not restricting the armed citizen. Yeah, yeah. If we let's, – let's say we did put some system in place that could predict things ahead of time. Would we all agree that that would probably sometimes fail? And if that's the case, to have taken away the real uh, determining factor of people's safety, their own – predetermination of, of, of deciding to be safe through the use of whatever means necessary, well, now where do we stand? We stand with, with people being innocently murdered. And that's, that's not what we want. Ron, you got to say something, man. Get in here. <laughs> Actually, what I was sitting here thinking... It's not about- fair because we're used to talking, Paul, and he's like, he hasn't started podcasting a year from now whenever we've been podcasting yeah, for a while. we won't be able to get an edge. We won't, yeah, we won't be able to say anything, so we no, can't that- right now. The 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 issue here for me anyway is I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Paul just kicked me in the nuts because I was asked the question first and I go out with the women's holsters, and then he decides that he's going to take it off to, uh, uh, you know, real heady, thoughtful conversation, and I look like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> no, yours is useful too, just a different kind of useful. Yeah, Ron, you know it's it's not. Um, and yours involve boobs, man. <laughs> <laughs> You win automatically. There's, no. <laughs> there's all different levels of things that we have to look at. And I guess, you know, I've had the advantage. How many times have you been to SHOT Show, Ron? Twice. Is this your, yeah. And so I, I've been, I guess, three or four times now. I can't keep track. Maybe it's five even. And I, I just, I get so overwhelmed and I can't keep up with the equipment. You know, there are guys out there that have so much detailed knowledge. Um, that I, I look at that and I say, well, I'm going to look that up later. And so I look at this from a conceptual standpoint, like I said before, but you know, I'm completely dependent on people like you. Like, like that website is bookmarked, man. Flashbang is bookmarked. And this is going out in an email to my listeners so that they can help their, their wives, girlfriends, daughters, mothers find the equipment that they need. And this is, this is vitally important as well. So. Well, the way that the way that I look at Shot Show is probably a lot different than most people as well. Because, like you, I realize that it's just too big to do everything. Right. So I said I said a couple of different areas and the things that I want to to really research over the course of the next year. And for me this year, it was home defense long guns. Mm-hmm. It was one uh, X optics, whether it be uh, red dots, uh, one to four, one to six, one to eight power scopes. Or um, slide-mounted optics for pistols. Right. And then I was looking at it from the concealed carry market, really targeting in on what would be interesting to to my listeners or to my readers. Right. And as as they're going through that, there are very certain things that that targets in on. So I don't stop at every booth. I don't even look at all of the new things. I'm only looking at things that would be of importance to those folks. And uh, so when I 
when I geek out on a piece of gear, it's a very minute piece of gear. And like you, the thing that's really important to me is the discussion I have with uh, the engineer that was creating it. The, the goal that he had as he was putting it together and how that can be used by an end user to be the most effective in protecting himself with his phone. Yeah, see, and you just took your part of the conversation to the level that I was talking about, Ron, if you, if you felt like it wasn't there in the first place. That's the awesome part of SHOT Show. You yep. look at the person that made the design and you say, what were you thinking here? And I don't mean that in a derogatory ma- manner, but, you know, what is it that you were thinking when you designed this? Perfect example. You were talking about 1X Optics. Did you get to the U.S. Optics booth, Ron? Uh, I stopped by there very briefly. Okay, so they have a new scope off the top of my head. I think it was the SR8, U.S. Optics SR8. And yep. this is a, a 1 to 8 electronic um, dot scope, which is uh, obviously 1 power and then magnified out to 8 power. Very well built. I'm really a big fan. So I'm standing there. I don't know who it is that's sitting across the counter talking to me, but I'm talking about the scope and saying, okay, uh, this is not what I was hoping it was going to be because I'm looking for something to put on my SOCOM, you know, which has got a scout rail on it. So I need something with a longer eye relief. This four-inch eye relief isn't going to do it for me. So this guy starts looking at the scope. He starts taking the glass, turning around in his hands, and, and this was like a minute pause, or it seemed like a minute anyways. And he said, sorry, I don't mean to get so quiet, but you know, I, I designed this scope, and so I'm trying to figure out how to put in a long eye relief reticle for you so that you're going to be able to use the scope how you want to. And so here I am sitting there with somebody that's built this awesome, you know, $1,800 piece of glass that really is impressive as it is. And he's now taking what I'm saying and looking at it and saying, hmm, how can this work on an M14? Go. That's what's awesome about SHOT Show. You know, I've never had the SHOT Show experience, and I hate you guys because you did, and I didn't. I've had a similar experience than what you were just talking about with ESS. That's why I always I wear ESS glasses. I won't wear anything else. I always go back to them. I might try to try something else and it just doesn't quite work out. And I always go back to ESS. And one of the main reasons I did that is because I went to a trade show once that they have on the military bases every once in a while through uh, either GSA stuff or just they all bring their stuff and give away free stuff to us all the time. And we were talking, me and a few of my friends were talking with the ESS guys about the CDI. Very quickly interchangeable uh, clear lens to a dark lens. You can get uh, your prescription glasses for like 50 bucks for them. They're awesome. Great glasses. But they're really loose on your head. We talked to this guy at a trade show about it. and said, look, we, said, we got a problem with these. We love the glasses. They're perfect for what we do. But they're they're kind of flimsy and they don't stay on your head very well. you got to kind of have a, a geek strap on the back. So we don't like that. And... He's like, really? So we need to make them tighter so they rip your head better, basically. We're like, yeah, that's exactly what you need to do. He sent us all an email a month later and said, we figured it out. Right. We've corrected the problem. Generation 2 is out. The ones that are coming out now are coming out because me and three guys stood there talking to him, saying the same thing. And that's impressive. Yeah. And, and so you have had the SHOT Show experience. And that's that's On a very cool. small level. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, let's be honest – with the number of vendors and, and booths that are there, I can only have that kind of interaction with eight or ten different people, and I'm lucky if it happens with two or three. And so, you know, that's what it's about, and that's kind of what's cool about, you know, what I've watched with Gunfighter Cast from the inception is, is you're taking a look at things from a critical standpoint, and your goal is to make things better. 
not just for yourself, but for other people as well. And that's, that's what it's all about. And the, the thing that I do at SHOT Show is like Paul, and I may have those type of discussions, you know, two or three times, but you also get to meet the individuals and get your face in front of them, find out who they are. And then you, you have those same experiences three or four or five more times throughout the course of the year as you're interacting them right. outside of SHOT Show when things aren't so timely. Yeah, that's a really important point, Ron. You know, I was talking with uh, another guy that was a first-time attendee at SHOT Show, and he was talking about how he was, you know, sorting out business cards between the ones that were important and the ones that weren't. And uh, one of my comments was, well, don't kid yourself. You have no idea what the importance of each of these business cards is at this point in time. Because it may be that uh, uh, that person that you thought was in the unimportant pile that might really make things happen in the next year. Um, and so, you know, don't don't spend too much time sorting. Just make contact and, and go. Hey, the little guy this year is going to be the big guy next year. Absolutely. Well, and all right. Like, so I was talking to a guy today, the guy that I ordered my AK through. Right. And I went looking for his gun shop because I told him I was going to pick it up. And he was going to let me pick it up. I did all this in Japan and bought it and everything, but it hadn't came in yet. I went looking for a shop. Couldn't find it anywhere. They basically had their agent who does their LLC stuff, whatever it's called, registered agent or whatever. They had their address, and that was what was listed. So I go looking for it, and then I talked to him today on the phone. I'm like, hey, I couldn't find you guys. He's like, oh, man, we're like in a little warehouse, just bought a house. We're kind of moving to the backyard kind of thing. But their website, they look huge. That's how most all these companies are, man. They're going to show up with all this flashy stuff and everything else. But these small guys that are just starting out, they're working out of their backyards. They're working in like buildings behind their house. They're not, they don't have anything crazy, but they're making awesome gear. They're, They're doing awesome things. They have the same contacts and they're very, very in touch with us guys that are carrying guns every day at the ground level. Absolutely. You know, Black Forge is, is one of the companies that I think about when you uh, bring something like that up, Daniel. Um, you know, I talked to them down in Orlando at the NASGW show. And, you know, here are these guys that are, you know, local in Orlando. And I, I sit down with the owner of the company. He's like, hey, dude, you know, I w- I'd love to talk to you, but I need you to talk to this guy because I got to go pick up my kids. You know, that's the story of my life, <laughs> needing to go pick up my kids. And, you know, yet I, I end up talking with Tim Cruz, who's an outstanding guy. And we had a great time, you know, with me learning about AK-47s. And there's no doubt that the next AK that I buy is going to be a Black Forge gun. Yep, that's what it's all about, man. The last thing you got, you kind of touched on it, Paul, as we got into what we were talking about. Other than your your luncheon, what was the general feeling that you guys got at Shot Show about what was going on right then? Uh, New York passed new laws while you were there. A lot of uh, we lost freedoms. This yeah. past week. Yeah. And it, it hurt. And I think it's going to keep happening. What was kind of the feeling that you guys were getting around everybody and everybody you talked to? I'm sure it was at every booth coming up all the time. What, what was going on? It seemed to me, just comparing it to last year, that it was a little bit lower energy than it has been in the past. Um, but there was also sort of – that was also – the best way to say it. It was lower energy, but part of it was because – there was absolutely nothing to buy. It, people were placing orders for six or nine months out. And I think that was taking the air out of it more than uh, the legal things that were going on in New York. I mean, obviously that was a big thing, and we knew that we had a, had a big push. 
but um, that was almost like a, a second topic from what I saw. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Ron. Um, as much as this was a firearm-centered uh, uh, event, it was very difficult to keep up with the news that was going on because there's so much intensity that goes on with SHOT Show. You know, my typical SHOT Show routine is, you know, up at 6 a.m. or earlier and pushing hard until 1, 2, maybe even 3 o'clock in the morning um, to make things happen. And so as important as what was going on in the outside world is, a lot of people had a hard time stopping and focusing on it. Now, from time to time during the day, I was in touch with uh, a group of guys, Matt DeVito, Downrange Firearms Training, and his crew from Massachusetts, and I was in touch with them, and I was very in tune with what was going on in Massachusetts. We were trying to understand what had happened in New York, which was a little bit confusing. We talked about that in the last podcast that we put up um, because we had some New Yorkers on the podcast. Um, But one of the things that we have to be careful of from a right to keep and bear arms standpoint is when we are... Uh, involved in a all-encompassing group or, or a homogeneous group, let's call it, where everyone is, quote, the same. There wasn't anybody at, at SHOT Show that was not pro-gun, right? I mean, everybody believed in the right to keep and bear arms. It, it has this very settling feeling, this very complacent feeling, kind of like your home, because everybody feels the same way that you do. You don't have to have, worry about having an argument unless it's 9mm versus 45 or AK versus AR or 1911 versus Glock. You know, those are the kinds of arguments we love to have. Um, so we have to be careful when we're in those kinds of situations. When you're hanging out at your gun club, it's easy to become complacent. And so that's what I've been driving for over the past, let's call it 36 hours since I woke up after my flight, um, you know, trying to catch back up on what it is that's happened and where it is that we're going and, and what the predictions are. And so I did not have a pervasive feeling of um, pending political doom while I was out at SHOT Show. I, I had a little bit more uh, involvement, I think, than, than you did, Paul, because I didn't go out until two or till Wednesday morning. Right. So I had Monday and Tuesday back right. at home to actually take a look at the law and get to understand it a little bit. And then I hung out with um, uh, JG from the Marooned uh, blog. Right. And then as I was leaving, uh, I was at Michael Bain's Can't Get Out of Vegas after party. And one of the guys there was talking about um, a change in the BTFE's ruling on what a receiver was. And uh, he was from 10X. Okay. And he actually got warning during the show that the 80% receiver parties that had been going on were starting to get raided by undercover uh, ATF agents. And that they had decided that anything that used the word receiver was a receiver and therefore had to go through all of the, the regular filing and all of that. So I'm I got, glad I don't have any of those. <laughs> yes. So I got um, you know I got a little bit of information about it before I was there. I got a little smattering of it while I was there, and then before I left, you know, obviously that bombshell, you know, right before boarding a plane to leave town. Right. Right. I've been waiting to throw this out for like almost a year now for the nine millimeter versus forty five thing, <laughs> which you brought up. Yeah. 
I, I got a new analogy for it. If you're going to climb Mount Fuji and your choice are Vibram Five Fingers or New Balance Minimus, because that's all you brought, neither one of them are a good choice. They both suck. <laughs> you want to shoot somebody with a rifle. Okay. I, I climbed Mount Fuji and New Balance Minimus, and it hurt the whole way on the sharp rocks and on the way back down. Did the Minimus have an individual pocket for each toe? No, they don't. Oh, but so they're, that's it's definitely they're a superior almost choice, as thin, But they're almost as – they are as thin as the uh, – the Vibram Five Fingers, so they, it's like the 9 versus 45. They both suck. Shoot them with a rifle. And I thought about that while I was walking up Mount Fuji or climbing up. Yeah, But uh, I got one final question for you, you guys, and this is what I was trying to remember earlier when I had a you know brain eruption. The, uh, you have apparently been getting some contact and some email, Paul, talking about, hey, I just finally realized that what you guys have been saying forever – may actually happen, and I need to get off my butt and actually do something now. Yeah. What can I do? Is it too late? And where the heck were you guys, man? We've been saying this forever. Join the NRA. Join the Second Amendment Foundation. Join the Gun Owners of America. Join your local gun groups, your, your gun clubs. Get busy. Write your congressmen. Write your senators. Do your thing. Stop sitting still and making us fight by ourselves for your rights. There are so many gun owners in America and so few NRA members, so few Second Amendment Foundation members, so few gun owners of America members. You got to get in those. You, yeah. You're going to lose it. They're going to go, man. These people are, are taking things away right and left. Your rights to keep and bear arms are going away if you don't get off your butt. I want to inject one thing. You, you mentioned you know, basically all of your federal representatives, but uh, don't forget uh, your state representatives, as seen by New York. Or Absolutely. Your, or your I wrote, local sheriff. Yeah. I wrote my sheriff last night. I wrote him an email saying, don't make me a criminal. I have been a good guy. I have served my country for 16 years. Uh, if I had spent six more months in the Marine Corps, I would have been in the Marine Corps for over half of my life. And I, I sent this guy an email and I said, look, don't make me a criminal. I want you to join those other sheriffs across the nation who have sent a letter to the president saying that they will not enforce these unlawful orders and they do not see them as crimes. They will stay true to the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Everybody needs to do that. Yeah, and, and I agree. And I guess the first thing that I'm going to say is it's never too late, uh, you know, if we have lost freedoms, which is the case in this past week, and you haven't been involved in that, then it's time to start working to regain those freedoms. You know, I'm sure that there are firearms owners in New York uh, that right now are kicking themselves that they didn't spend some time in the past, you know, what, 10 years contacting their state representatives, letting them know how it is that they felt. Okay, well, what's done is done. Put that behind you and get to work. Uh it was said very, very eloquently by Mr. Brownell, get off the wagon and start pulling. And that's really what it comes down to. Start writing the letters. Start talking about it at the coffee shop, at the local park, when you're sitting watching your kid's softball game or soccer game or whatever it might be. Start you know, having conversations with people that you seem might have an interest or people that bring it up and say, gosh, you know, these guns, we just need to do something about it. Yeah, we do need to do something about it. You know, we need to make uh, firearms more accessible to law-abiding citizens so they can have that conversation. You, you get my point. So don't don't just sit back and say, "Well, I guess we blew it." Make it happen now. It's obvious that the Senate and Congress is talking about it as far as federal, right? 
But if you're sitting there thinking like, oh, that'll never happen in my state, you're out of your mind. They are yeah. talking about it right now. There's people pushing for it right now in your state legislature. You need to talk to your representative, your state representative, your county commissioners, your sheriff. You need to talk to them and tell them what they need to do. The, the mayor of your town or city, you know, they may be part of an organization. I can't remember what the disgusting acronym is for Bloomberg's group. But, uh, you know, they may be part of that organization that is very much for the confiscation of firearms. And so find out what it is that's going on around you. Get involved and, uh, and don't wait. You know, that's the first thing that I would say to people when they say, well, what do I do now? I haven't done anything. If I'm not mistaken, is it March 1st, something like that? The NRA, you can still get 300. You can get life memberships for 300 bucks. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Daniel, I think that that's great. And I probably will very soon upgrade my membership from the easy pay to the life membership. But I'll say again, I think the most important thing, if you're to, you know, if 300 bucks is a lot of money to you and, you know, you're thinking you want to do something more than just become a member, buy a member for every, or buy a membership, excuse me, for every member of your family. And you can get 10 family members a membership for 350 bucks. Have they stopped the military? Uh, free memberships? Don't know the answer to that, Daniel. But you know, if that's available, jump on it just for the number. I think that there's definitely a discount that's available there uh, for the life of duty members, but I don't know what that is. And there's some deal. I'm going to look all this stuff up and throw it in the show notes for you guys so you can just click on it. I don't, I'm doing the work for you. I'm going to find these things for you. Go to the website, click on the show notes, or do it through your mobile device, whatever you're listening on. Right. Check it out. I'm going to find it... There's other things where they're next to free, and I think there are some that are free depending on how you do it, but you don't get a magazine. It, it's very inexpensive, and you get a, a you could choose your magazine to whatever yeah. gun owner you have. Because, you know, I'm a firm believer that we have people who are gamers with guns. Some people are, are more defensive mind frame, and, and some people are both. And there's different reasons why people own guns. And there's a magazine from the NRA that you are going to enjoy for whatever it is you do with a gun. So you're getting something out of it, you know, and they're going to send you free DVDs and say, hey, you can pay for this if you want to. Or you don't have to. That happens yeah. all the time as well. And I'm on the NRA's website right now, Daniel. And you know, there's a one-year junior membership for fifteen bucks, a junior life for five fifty, uh, an easy pay junior life. Now here it is for anybody. There's a one-year associate membership for ten dollars for just ten dollars. You know, yeah. and that's you know, uh, a one-year distinguished membership for um, age sixty-five over or disabled veteran thirty bucks. You know, get off your butt and do it. Absolutely. Get on the internet. Pay ten dollars, man. Ten bucks. That, that, just become a member of the NRA. Absolutely. But I also, I, and I, you know, we always talk about the NRA. There's things that they do and concessions that are made that I'm not always a hundred percent for. But they are so powerful when it comes to getting things done and protecting our Second Amendment. They have they have been the ones protecting it for a very long time. Uh, we have other organizations that are a bit more, uh, less lenient and make less concessions, like the Second Amendment Foundation and Gun Owners of America. Not quite as big, but they go after it. They don't mess around. They're winning lawsuits. You ready to close this thing out? Let us shut this down. I was talking about Second Amendment Foundation and Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership, two really aggressive groups. It was awesome. Did you happen to see the uh, the guy at the 
uh, excess sight booth that had negative. The I try to pretend like excess the, sights uh, don't exist. Star David on it, and underneath it, it said gun owner. It's it's a great group and very aggressive, and I'm all for it. And you know, people that don't have the uh, confidence in the NRA, they need to jump into the Second Amendment Foundation. They need to jump into Jews for the preservation of firearms ownership. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think we covered a lot in a quite a while. Uh, I know John's going to tell me you should have put that out <laughs> two episodes, but this is what you get. Why is man. John afraid of me, man? He's never on when I'm on. What's the deal? I don't know. He was going to be able to be on, but you know, he's just like all of us, man. He's got daddy and husband duties and everything else. There and you go. Got to work. Yeah, I think he's busy writing. Well, you know, yeah, that's what he's doing. Uh, the reason I say that is I put out uh, one of his posts today. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I haven't read it yet, though. I sent John a text earlier. I was like, hey, I said, we still good for 10? Because he said he may not be able to make it tonight. He said, IDK may not make it tonight. <laughs> and uh, I said, I always picture your daughter coaching you when you use things like IDK. So he says, OMG. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll say, like, you're so not going to be there for your BFF tonight, OMG. <laughs> Did you see what he did to his daughter for Christmas? No. She, no. He had a huge cardboard cutout, like life-size Justin Bieber in the living room for whenever she came out like down the hall, pajamas, morning breath and hair and everything else. And Justin Bieber was standing there. And apparently she flipped out. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. And then he did it again some other time. When they were going out, and he set it up at the door or something to let her go in the door first and didn't realize that there was no way this was going to happen again, but he got her again with it or something. <laughs> it was pretty good. All right, well, probably none of that will make it into the show, but it may. John will be pissed about it if I do. He's going to keep his serious persona for everybody. Absolutely. You know? But, uh, <laughs> no, but uh, Ron, Paul, thank you guys for coming on the show. Uh, Ron, can you tell the listeners one more time because they liked what you had to say. Now they want to go look for you. Where can they find you at? Uh, balloongoesup.com. All right. Go check them out. And Paul, they thought you were awesome too, so tell them where they can find Safety you. SafetySolutionsAcademy.com. And Paul and I are working on – Whenever we get some scheduling issues going on, I actually find a facility and everything else. But uh, we're going to do some training together. And once that happens and we get something scheduled, I'll make sure I let everybody on GunfighterCast know so you guys can come join us. And we'll we'll fill up this course with uh, with all of us friends, you know, that, that hang out and email back and forth and stuff to the show. That sounds great, man. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, Ron will most certainly be invited. Looking forward to it. Well, any uh, final thoughts from you guys, man? Like uh, last-minute things that just need to be said? Get off the wagon and start pulling. Yes, uh, gunfighter out. <laughs> gunfighter cast out. 